Generally Speaking, About the Church, episode number 94. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and today DG is not with us. He is off doing some other things, some other obligations he had this Thursday, but I'll tell you what, that's not going to stop us from putting the show on for you guys, and today I'm very excited to bring a special guest into the About the Church podcast, and we're going to be talking with Michael Johnson, who happens to be a longtime listener of the gspn.tv community and also very heavily involved in a ministry called Cross Campus Ministry. Michael, how you doing? Doing pretty good, and you? I'm doing excellent, my friend. Never been better. Gets better every single day. Yes, sir. So, so Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, what, is, or what is Cross Campus Ministry, and, and how did you get involved in this thing? Well, um, of course, I'm a member here of uh, a local church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, called Overcoming Church Ministries. And I, I first got involved in campus ministry through an outreach that we had on our local campus. Um, and what was going on, we started uh, with a Bible study that just was kind of an every Wednesday night thing on the local campus. One day we had an idea to film the Bible studies and put them online uh, only for the students that... Uh, that wouldn't be there. Maybe they could go back and uh, watch the Bible studies, you know, in their spare time. When we started putting those videos online, we started getting a lot of students from around the world uh, actually sending us emails. And that's kind of how cross-campus ministry started. Um, We got wise and started putting the podcast out there. That's when we realized that uh, the information that we were providing to the local students was actually... Uh, really beneficial is uh, students from around the world who are really struggling with their faith during those college years. So that's kind of how we got started there. So you're telling me that cross-campus ministry is something that's maybe kind of sanctioned or, or put together as an offshoot of your own local church then? It is. It very much is. And they are completely supportive of using technology such as new media, podcasting, and all this other stuff to, oh, yes. to reach yes. these college students. Yes, sir. It, that's where uh, all the college students are, uh, pretty much. It, matter of fact, we uh, we used to try to keep up with the college students by phone. Uh, and then we noticed that Facebook is actually <laughs> a much better way of keeping in touch with them. So when you're talking about that age range, if you're not using the new media, uh, you're, you're going to lose a lot of students. Absolutely. Let me ask you uh, just a, a personal question, and, and this is more on the side of me as a podcast consultant moving forward and stuff like that, but uh, it, it very much uh, is something I'd, I'd be, I think would be interesting to know. When, when you're talking to, to college students, how many, you know, what's the percentage of people that you talk to that understand what a podcast is? Well, when I go in my actual church, uh, most people don't know uh, anything about podcasting. Uh, but when I go on to college, I would say at least 9 out of 10 students know exactly what podcasting is. That is awesome. That is awesome. And, and of course, I'm gonna, I, I'll, I'll see if I can remember to go to three and a half minutes into this show and pull out this audio clip 
for for a podcast answer man episode I'm doing this <laughs> afternoon. But but let let's instead of focusing on the on the technology, I think what would be interesting uh, for the about the church podcast is to talk about you know really the the idea of living a christian life or having you know christian faith during college years because this can be a very uh difficult time there there's obviously a lot of uh a lot of things that are debated hotly in in especially in our secular colleges our non-christian colleges even among our christian colleges it's unbelievable how many times you know students struggle uh, with maintaining their faith and and so do you have any kind of statistics that would help people understand or wrap their mind around you know what it's like in and and what's going on with Christians when they enter college I do um, and the statistics are pretty alarming um, if you've never really um, studied that kind of thing I actually use uh, the statistic that I you would normally hear me quoting is the fact that uh, 80% of Christians that enter college backslide or stray away from God within their first four years. And the interesting thing about that, that's one of the more conservative uh, estimates. Most, a lot of studies uh, quote over 97% backslide. And we're not talking about um, students that just want to go, uh, you know, they're waiting to get out of the house to rebel. We're talking about students that uh, testified that when they entered college, they had no uh, uh, intent to backslide or sin or anything like that. These are the ones, these are the 80% that are straying from God just in four years. You know, and a major percent of those, I've heard some studies say uh, 60% of those make it back. But those 60% don't make it back, according to their testimony, uh, until 10 years later. And the other 40% testify to never really recovering the relationship with God that they had before they entered college. It's pretty scary stuff. Gotcha. So so those are some alarming figures that that a, a very conservative uh, percentage of college students who enter, you know, college life with with a, a faith in God and 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 a belief in in a morally upright Christian sort of lifestyle. You're saying that 80% is a very um, conservative number of the number of those people who kind of give up on that. Right. And that of those 80%, only 60% or just, just over half of those uh, eventually come back to the church, but oftentimes it's not until many years later. Right, so, right. So that's what I'm hearing there. Now, let's let's go over a couple of the reasons. You know, how, how, First of all, how long have you been involved in this campus ministry? It's been about 10 years. We started in about 2000. Okay. And what could you tell me as far as what are some of the reasons that some folks, you know, they, they lose their faith during these formative years? Well, you know, I'm glad uh, you asked that question because there's a lot of misconceptions when you talk about that. Um, one of the major misconceptions, I would say there's probably two big ones. Uh, one of the major ones is that we often like to think that college students, they just want to stray. You know, uh, you know we pass them off as they've just been waiting as soon as they got out of the house, as soon as they got on the campus, they, they've been waiting all these years to party, and this is their chance. Um, and, you know, that one, that's just simply not true. Um, when these college students are hitting these campuses, oftentimes uh, they're just unprepared for what's going to happen to them uh, in the next couple years, you know. Um, and the other big, uh, before I get to that, the other big 
misconception is that these students that are losing their faith are doing so because of secular or hedonistic teaching by the professors. That is a problem, but this isn't where the 80% come in. The biggest uh, problem, we like to break them down into five behaviors, uh, five major behaviors that cause students to backslide in college. Before we get into those five, there's one big major one that I would say uh, most of the college students that have problems uh, keeping their relationship with God goes down to this one. And that one is simply priorities. It's just like anything else, you know, like you and I, we have uh, full-time jobs. You do a lot of recording during the day. And it's easy to get caught up in that and then realize uh, six months in or a year in, hey, you know, I haven't spent any time reading or praying or anything uh, like that. And that's what happens with a lot of the college students. I have a a good story about that that I always like to tell. I have a a dear friend that attends our ministry now. Um, He's married, has children, but uh, about five or six years ago, he was a college student, Um, and he actually came through our Bible study. And his testimony was, when we met him, he was uh, completely wild. Um, I would have, I wouldn't have been able to look at him and know that he entered college, uh, uh, born again, completely ready to take the college for Jesus Christ. Um, I wouldn't have been able to tell. His testimony was, when he entered school, he was so swamped with studies, he was so swamped with all the meetings that they'd require you to go to, student government meetings. Basically, your schedule is so filled up that if you don't leave any room for any spiritual things, uh, if you start replacing Sunday worship with Sunday study group, uh, you know, if you start replacing calling your pastor or your local minister, you start replacing that with just hanging out with your friends, you're going to start to stray. And four years is too long uh, to completely stay away from church and spiritual things. So that, that's probably the major thing. Uh, that happens there. And, and some of that is our fault, you know, for, uh, for not preparing students to, you know, for this battle that they're going to face. Gotcha. Um, and I don't want to, uh, if I'm talking too much, you let me know if you have uh, any questions or anything like that. Sure. Well, l- l- let me go ahead and just interrupt that for just a minute, because you've said, you know, unprepared um, a couple different times. And in the chat room, Jonathan was asking, by unprepared, do you mean that, you know, we've kind of let our children live in some sort of overproductive bubble or something of that nature? That, well, that's one thing. That's one aspect of it. Um, well, we'll talk about that for a second. I've noticed I had a, a chance to go down to uh, South Carolina back in June and uh, talk about this in front of a bunch of high school students. Uh, some of them had already graduated. Some were getting ready to graduate. This was a, a church conference, and you had about 60 or 70 high school students from churches from all over the country. Um, it was a great opportunity. And, you know, my first question was, it was uh, my brother, fellow uh, campus minister, our first question was, can somebody raise their hand and tell us what salvation is? And nobody could answer that question. You know, you get typical questions like, uh, well, is uh, being right and being good, and you know, things like that. But nobody really has a true definition of what does it mean to be saved. Now, this is typical of everywhere that I go and speak. This tells me that somewhere down the line, 
our students in our churches are slipping through the cracks. You know, um, so we as ministers in churches have to find a way to really figure out, are we getting through to them or are they just kind of sliding by? So, so in the way, uh, we do kind of unprepare them just by assuming, hey, you know, this kid grew up in our church, you know, he can uh, lead prayer every now and then. We assume that they know everything they need to know to get on uh, with life uh, and be successful spiritually. Does that make sense? I think so. And 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 one of the things that I, you know, I, I see the, you know, I, I actually read the number in, and hear the number 80% of the uh, those who enter college as Christians uh, end up, you know, walking away from their faith uh, and only 60% return and sometimes, and if so, usually not until about 10 years later, which by the way, uh, April in our chat room said, you know, I actually stopped being involved in church because there was nothing for me at church after high school. I was too young for the career group and too old for the youth group, and I just didn't fit anywhere. Exactly. And she says that it took me until my 30s to come back. So she fits in that demographic. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to make any assumption for, for April at all in our chat room. And so uh, I know that I just stated that, you know, that she fits into exactly what you're talking about. But I want to say that I, I personally believe with my experience in the church that I, when you're talking about unprepared, I, I wonder how many of those unprepared, self-proclaiming Christians who enter college life and walk away from it, how many of them were really Christians? Right. Right. So, so, and what I mean by that, and of course, oh gosh, I, I definitely don't want to get into a debate or, or even go into the full discussion of, you know, what makes one a Christian or not. But I, I think oftentimes that we, we sometimes can get fall into the trap of assuming that, okay, our children have been going to Sunday school all their life. They've pretty much repeated per, per, per you know, paradum or everything that we've taught them. They can recite it back. They know how to talk the talk. They know how to, you know, to, you know, to say the right answers to the questions and stuff like that. But is that relationship between God there? Is there a real acknowledgement of the presence of God in their life that is transformed that has transformed them at one point in their life? Right. And right. and I would say I I really can't un, I really can't stress enough that I think that that many people who are sending their Christian sons and daughters to college they're not sending their sons and daughters to, to, to college as Christians. They're sending their sons and daughters to college with a Christian background. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And there is that. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it's not fair because I meet so many students that uh, they don't even understand that they're in that boat that you are talking about. They want to be. They want to have a relationship with God. They want to grow just like they see their parents grow. But oftentimes, and this is a, a different discussion here, but oftentimes what we as parents do is we assume that, you know, because we see that they want to do this, we see that they want to be like mommy or daddy, so we assume that they know everything that it takes. I'll give you an example. I was in the military. I spent six years in the United States Air Force. And uh, the first time I deployed, I wasn't ready <laughs> <laughs> to go uh, to deploy at all, you know, you get you go over there and you're in the in war all of a sudden. When I was uh, stateside or when I was uh, uh, here before I deployed, my supervisor trained me. 
um, you know, I thought I was ready. You know, I read the books, I read this, uh, but nobody really asked me or put me in a situation to test me. They just sent me to war. When I got to war, I realized, you know what, this isn't fair. My supervisor should have prepared me for this. I wanted it. I stated that I wanted it, but they kind of let me slip through the cracks. And I think that's what happens. I think a lot of the students that you're mentioning, a lot of them don't have a relationship with God, but they want one. So instead of us assuming that, hey, they want it, they must already know, we have to ask direct questions and confront these high school students directly before they go to college and ask them these questions before. Hey, you want this relationship? Let me ask you a couple questions. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I I think that... You know, when when we as Christians are confronted with other people who who claim Christianity as as their their form of identity that that they claim to be followers of Christ, I I think that it it shouldn't even just be before they enter college. I th- I think that as soon as somebody claims to be a Christian, it, we we ought to be a little bit more open with all of our our brothers and sisters that we meet within our churches. And have some pretty deep conversations. What 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 makes you a Christian? Right. You know what yes. what what does that mean to you? And and is God real? You know the kind of questions that we ask here on the about the church. You know, it, it, you know, is God real? Does does He answer prayer? Um, does He really speak to me? Uh, does God have a plan and a purpose for my life? Do you have have you uncovered what it is God desires you to do with your life? And and I'll be honest with you, I have those questions with people, and they're shocked that I would even ask. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm ta- I'm not I'm talking people who are in their 30s and 40s who right. have, who have who have been Christians for as long as they believe they've ever lived. And it's like they still today have no clear understanding of what God desires from them. Right. You know, I always uh, make a joke uh, when I'm teaching Bible studies. You can uh, people will accept you uh, to teach them. Um, certain things like business owners love to have business consultants. Investors love brokers, but people really will get offended if you have someone uh, to teach you about life. You know, it's it's like one of those things. If you ever want to get in an argument, uh, tell someone how to raise their children, or tell someone they don't know how to drive. You know, and this is what happens. Uh, we all as Christians want to feel like I have those answers. I'm a man like you're a man. You know, don't tell me uh, that my prayer life is slacking. Don't tell me that this is slacking. And so this is what happens with these college students or with one another, like you mentioned. We're so afraid to offend our brother. Uh, we're so afraid that we won't ask them or confront them on behavior that we see that may be detrimental to them, you know. And this is what happens with these college students. If, have you ever seen that commercial? Um, it's a funny commercial where... I believe it's an anti-drug campaign. Uh, there's a daughter and a mother. The daughter's coming down the stairs, and the mother uh, gives the daughter a hug and is kind of doing an indiscreet pat-down. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And that, the whole premise behind that commercial is, stop trying to do all these beat-around-the-bush things. Just ask, hey, are you taking drugs? You know? Yeah. And this, these kinds of behaviors would make uh, us as Christians stronger if we weren't afraid just to ask, hey, Cliff, how are you doing, man? How's your prayer life? You know, uh, have you been praying and reading while you've been doing all this recording? That's right. You won't get offended. I won't take it personally. And and you are not, wait a second. I'll be honest with you. 
maybe today I wouldn't get offended, but several years ago, people used to ask me that, and I'll be honest with you, I was offended. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, I, I I got to the point where a little bitterness and resentment mm-hmm. welled up within my heart, and I was bitter, and I was offended, mm-hmm. but you know what? I was also challenged. Right, and it, yeah. And, yeah, and you know go. what? And, and And it didn't take me until I was a little bit more mature that eventually I came to say, you know what? That person was a true friend. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, uh, that reminds me of the story of David when he fell with Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. I, I always like to say that there's a critical moment in our life. There's a defining moment uh, when someone confronts us that we either decide that I'm going to shut down or I'm going to use this that they're telling me to advance. Do you remember uh, when David fell with Bathsheba and he had Uriah killed? Um, I believe it's in Samuel, uh, First or Second Samuel, uh, if somebody wants to look it up. Nathan came up to David and told him a story about a man, who, uh, a king who had everything, and another man who basically had nothing to sum it up. Yeah. Uh, he said, what do you do to that man who takes everything from that little guy? And David said he should be killed. When Nathan confronted David and said, David, you're that man. Uh-huh. It, right then. That was a defining moment. Either we could have been reading a Bible that talked about another bad king, or we could be reading like we read now, David, one of the greatest kings yes. uh, in Israel history, because he chose, when his brother confronted him on his own sin, he chose not to take it personal, but to take it and use it to grow. Yes. You know, and, and I see this on college campuses so many times, and this, this goes into one of the top five behaviors that cause uh, students to decline. And one of them is uh, accountability, you know. So many times I'll have college students tell me, I want you to be my mentor. I mean, you hear that probably once a week on campus. Mike, I want you to be my mentor. If you ever see me do anything wrong, I want you to tell me. And then you tell them, and then they don't want to talk to you anymore. That kind of behavior will get you stuck, you know. That's the kind of behavior that will cause you to be in a never-ending cycle of defeat. So, right. So we've got priorities out of you know the, a lack of really a, an, an example or at least uh, being ill-prepared to to put God as a priority and and, and things of our faith as a priority. Uh, sometimes there's this lack of accountability. Well, you say there are three more uh, different behaviors that that kind of uh, can lead to. The, the degradation of our faith in, during the formative college years. What are some of the other three? Well, um, we have uh, two of them are, are basic, but they're basic, but they're very important. Um, and that would be, one would be prayer. You have to have a consistent prayer life. You know, we know, we often say that uh, Christianity is a relationship with God, you know. And, uh, you know, how can we continue to grow in this relationship if we're not conversing with uh, God, you know. I notice in my life, and you've probably noticed in your life, I, I don't know, you may uh, have always had a perfect prayer life, um, but I notice when I'm in lack of prayer, uh, judgment, my judgment, my decisions uh, start to not get too wise. Um, being prayer, prayer, excuse me, is one of the biggest things. You have to have a consistent prayer life. And the second one would be, a consistent, and this is also a big one, a consistent uh, Bible study habit. This is where we get the breakdown where we hear so many students straying because of 
philosophies and all the teachings that come from secular colleges. I personally don't believe um, that it's our job. Well, I'll stay away from that. I won't say that so absolutely. I'll say it like this. I believe it's more effective for us, uh, let's say we're college students, to make sure that we know what we believe and we know what the Bible says. It's more effective to do that than to go out and try to stop professors and uh, secular people from teaching secular things. You know, it's kind of like uh, when Daniel went into the fiery furnace. College is a fiery furnace. Uh, When Daniel went in the fiery furnace, God didn't turn down the fire. He made Daniel and his friends fireproof. Right. You know, matter of fact, the fire was so hot it killed the other guards. Right. So what I like to tell students, don't worry about... Uh, don't pray about God, make this uh, temptation easier for me, and it's so hard. But just ask God to make you fireproof. And what I mean by that is, you're going to be hearing professors teach crazy things. You're going to hear this. You're going to hear that. But if you know what you know, you know what the Bible says, you know your doctrine, then you'll be fireproof. When they say things, it'll bounce right off, and it won't affect you. Right. And, and that's kind of like, I was listening to your, uh, your podcast um, when you guys were talking about, Is God Real?, Those conversations are important. They're very important. Because if you deal with those things, those skeptical questions, even the ones that you already have in the back of your mind, when you deal with those and don't be afraid to deal with them, when somebody comes and brings them up, you won't be completely shocked and shaken. Right. You know, so we have to deal with those things ahead of time. And that comes with knowing what our Bible says. The only way to know what our Bible says is, to read it and study it. And then uh, that goes into our next thing. Before right. we do that, I, I, I don't know if anybody in the chat room had anything. Well, the, j- they just wanted to uh, point out real quickly that, that they, they understand completely where you're coming from. But we were talking about, it, it was it was not um, Daniel who was thrown into the, the furnace, but it was in the book of Daniel that that happened. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So, thank you. But but yes, uh, and I think that was, wasn't that Shadrach, Meshach, and Ab- Abednego? <laughs> Right, right. That was it. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but we understood what you're coming from, and 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 the the analogy there still, I think, stands as well. Yeah. Uh, so basically, so far right now is that um, I've got lack of priorities, and somebody else says, you know, is it prior priorities or perspectives? You know, or is it your perspective? I I would say that I agree with this idea of of lack of it. You know, this being ill prepared to to place God as first and foremost in your life, and to be honest with you, it's it, it's hard to find that as an example in our culture today. Right. You know, where where you practice the presence of God on a consistent basis, and right. so uh, if if you're entering into a furnace, you know, or or the college life, and and you're not you you haven't prepared. Uh, to to place God as as a priority in your time and your scheduling and and stuff like that. College life is busy, like you said, and, yeah. and so I totally get that. Lack of accountability. You're absolutely right. We we move away from mom and dads many times. Uh, yeah. We move away from the people we've gone to church with if if we've gone to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 it's very easy to be enticed slowly but surely. Right. It, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a lobster that you have for dinner. You know, they're sitting there swimming around in the boiling water until all of a sudden, so slowly they're gone. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so and we have to be careful as well when uh, when students are in college that if they try to call us, that we answer the phone. You know, even if it's late at night. Um, because a lot of times I've seen that happen as well. You have college students that try to reach out, but we 
tend to have this out of sight, out of mind mentality. Uh, you know that well. They're okay. They're okay, and they try to call and they try to call, and we're always too busy working our nine to five. Um, and then next thing you know, they stop reaching out. Yeah. Um, and then it's not because they didn't try, but because the people that are in their life, in their local churches that may be away, aren't returning the favor and reaching out back. So we, yeah. that's one thing we need to be careful of. And, and this is, and of course, uh, for those who are listening to this via the podcast, I want to encourage you to check out the Watermark Sermon that is going to be from this weekend. And let me see if I can pull up a date here. It'll be the, if you go to watermarkcc.net slash podcast, or if you head over to gspn.tv under uh, Balanced Living Podcast, you'll see uh, the Watermark Community Podcast. This Sunday on October 10th, I'm going to be doing a, a I'm going to be teaching at our church on the power of online community and I think parents, you know, today, just understand that college students today are very much involved in social media. So, I mean, I know a lot of parents complain, like, oh, my gosh, all my kids are doing is texting, texting, texting. I encourage parents to go get phones that make it easier for you to text with your, your, with your kids. Definitely. You know, and, uh, you know, sign up for Facebook and, and, and you know, just be available in, and connect with them in the places. I mean... It, it's just crazy. My, it, it's so funny for me when my mom calls me up and says, "Hey, Cliff, what's what's been going on with you lately?" It's like, well, you know what? It's it, and and not that I would, ex, you know, and I have no problem having the conversation. But here's the thing: let's just say if I was a, uh, a kind of a somewhat troubled college student today, you you'd be amazed about what you could learn about my life, both all of my successes, all my failures. You'd be surprised about my emotionally great days, my emotionally very terrible days. You'd be surprised about how much you could learn about me just by being my friend on Facebook. Right, right. You know, it's like, so So lack of accountability. We talked about a lack of prayer life. Um, and, and I'm going to reword this because, and, and, of course, I, I believe in studying God's Word and stuff like that. The one thing, I always err on the other side of studying God's Word to where it does not become a legalistic requirement because I think that turns so many people off. But I'll say maybe how about a lack of a working knowledge of God's Word? Right, right. And, right. of course, how do you get that? You do it by studying, but, uh, you know, and, and but I, I think people should be doing that, you know, they sh- that, that that all comes in with you know where are your priorities and and are, how earnestly are you seeking God and wisdom and stuff like that and and you know and and how do you fit that into a busy life and I'll be honest with you uh, you asked how's my prayer life or you didn't ask how my but you know maybe you had suggested maybe it's possible that I've always been great I'll be honest with you right now I suck right now at my prayer life. <laughs> Uh, I really do. I feel really bad about it. But at the same time, you know, I I feel so confident in my in my relationship with God. And 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 I even say to myself, you know, maybe my prayer life isn't as bad as what it seems. It's just not like what I was taught to do when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I am consistently communicating with God. And but yet is it it's it's not that, you know, go into a quiet place on your own and 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 go and listen and hear God and and journal and all these other things, which I do from time to time, but but and and I and I gain so much benefit. But I've gotten to the point where you know when it comes to reading God's word, sometimes I think it's just as effective to to read one verse or one chapter of a book and really consume that over the course of three or four weeks than to consume you know a book of the Bible in three or four weeks. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It all depends on. Uh the individual's 
you know, because if someone's reading uh, five chapters a day uh, and they're not getting anything out of it, yeah. um, then the guy who's reading the one verse and meditating on it, as long as the study is there, because, of course, we can have the vice versa. We can have the guy who reads one verse and he's not getting anything out of it, you know. So, you know, it really all depends on you, you know. But then we also have to make sure that we're challenging ourselves, you know. Because oftentimes it's easy us in our in our flesh to get complacent. I'm not saying that you are. Sure, I'm no. just throwing these ideas out there, you know, that oftentimes we have to sometimes uh, challenge ourselves there. And I know with me personally, I notice uh, in my prayer life and my study life, you know, I do fine. I, well, I'd like to say I do fine, you know, I feel confident in my relationship with God. But I notice that if I do more, I'm, I get stronger. You right. know, so it's not, not nothing bad that, uh, you know, the way I'm doing is fine, but I know that I could be stronger if I do more. Yes, absolutely. You know, so what's that fifth, what's that fifth behavior that, that that's out there? We have well, a- the fifth one. It actually, uh, this goes right into it pretty well is finding a church, you know, mm. because what well, we talked about studying the Bible consistently, um, and praying consistently and all these things fit in, you know, especially when we talk about studying the Bible. Because what do you have on Sunday? You have a guy or a, a woman standing up there teaching you from the Bible, you know, teaching you um, maybe from what they've learned in seminary or what they've uh, learned from their own personal studies, teaching us what the Word of God says. You still there? Yes. Okay, I was getting some static. Um, and we need that because, you know, it's dangerous to be a Lone Ranger Christian. It's very dangerous um, because uh, what, how do we know if we read something and we get an understanding of it? How do we know uh, if that's an error or that's in truth? You know, we have to have a body of believers. Uh, you know, the Bible says that uh, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Yeah. Uh, and it also says that uh, uh, iron sharpens iron just like man sharpens man, something like that. It's not an exact quote, um, but we need that. And that's what, uh, what the assembling of the church is. It's all of us coming together to help each other, you know. I'll never forget. I had a moment, and I'll bring this back again, when I, I deployed, I went to Kuwait. There was no believers out there that I could find. Um, and, you know, it was really a, uh, a bleak situation, you know. Um, I noticed, after three weeks of being in that situation, when finally uh, some fellow believers came on the camp, I noticed how much I had actually... Uh, declined a little bit. You know, I didn't backslide or go back, but how do you know if you're growing or uh, going back if there's no rule there? You know, and oftentimes we need others in our life, uh, you know, to help us, hey, Mike, you're going this way, you're going that way, or good job, you know, can you teach me a little bit more about that? That's what people are put in our life for, you know. Right. The Bible says that a brother was born for adversity, you know, so we cannot, as Christians, forsake, and I know there's so many debates about this, uh, but we cannot as Christians forsake the assembling together. Right. You know, we need that for so many different reasons. We need uh, people to help us uh, study the Word. You know, not that we can't study it by ourselves, you know, but I, we need people to help us, and we need to be there to help others. Whenever there's a community, there's going to be growth. And whenever there's isolation, there's oftentimes could be a detriment, you know, so... Uh, College students need to find a local church, and many college students understand that. This is where uh, the failure actually comes in, is you have so many college students. I'll meet college students in their fourth year. Uh, 
they're talking about, yeah, I'm still looking for a church. <laughs> That's why nowadays I often say, well, don't search for a church. You need to find a church. Um, and I tell college students, when you hit the campus, if it's out of state or far away from your church, one of your number one priorities, in addition to finding where your classes are, in addition to all this, you need to start looking for a local church. And there's a couple ways uh, that you can do that. One, I like to tell students, uh, one of the first things you can do, if there's a campus ministry on your campus, you can inquire about that church. Because oftentimes, if you, uh, if you have a church that's willing to outreach onto your campus, it's probably a good church for you to be in for your age, your age group, you know. Right. Um, so that's a good way. And, and another way is to just call back to your pastor, your local members, um, and say, hey, do you know of a local church in this area? But it has to be a priority. Right. What we do in our lives, uh, and we talked about this earlier, but oftentimes in our culture, here in American culture, and I don't know where all of your listeners are coming from, but what we do, we are career-based, even, even a lot of the Christians. Right. What we do is we drill and we drill and we drill into our students and our children, go to college, get your education, go to college, get your education. And then when we talk to them, you know, when they call from college, the only things we're going to ask them is, how are you doing in school, and this and that, and this and that. And so we're inadvertently teaching them that this is the most important thing right now. Right. Is, you know, as, as controversial as this may sound, college is not the most important thing when they're in college. The relationship with God is the most important thing. Yeah. College comes secondary, you know, because oftentimes we talk about, uh, you send your kids to college to secure their future, right? Well, our eternal destination is farther into the future than we could ever go. Exactly. So we have to, one, make sure while we're in college we're securing our eternal future, and secondly, securing our future here on Earth. Um, Uh And that's why we talked about that priority. Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, Michael, we're already at 37 minutes, so I want to start wrapping things up here. But uh, just just want to review for for the folks that are out there um, who have children that have not yet gone to college. I think that the, there are a couple things out of this conversation that I believe are important takeaways here. Number one, uh, making sure that that our children aren't just that we don't just assume that they have faith in God, but to really sit down and have some pretty deep conversations with our children about faith and. And, and and to to really make sure that they're seeing that per, you know that they're seeing that in our lives that that we are deep in our faith with Christ, and also to be an example of priorities to to show that we are account you know that we hold ourselves accountable. You know, my kids know that I have a prayer partner that I've had for the last ten and a half years, and uh, they see us interacting with a small group of people from our church every Wednesday night in our home. Um, sometimes they see more of my prayer life than others, but, uh, you know, it's important to pray with our kids and our, with our family. Uh, it's important for us to not rely on Sunday schools to teach our kids about God's word and about faith, but to sit down and have those conversations to, to, to understand that, that, you know, any kind of educational program within the church is a supplement of what we do as parents, because it's our responsibility to train and to teach our kids, uh, so that they'll grow up and be uh, wise and mature. And then, of course, it is important for us to to just demonstrate that community, the, the importance of uh, encouraging one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that we will not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold fa- firmly till the end the confidence that we have at first. 
Anyway, Michael, this has been a very uh, enjoyable conversation. I want to thank you. Uh, where can people find you online? People can find me um, if they go to my website, crosscampusministry.com. That's spelled out uh, like the cross, C-R-O-S-S. So it's crosscampusministry.com. If you go there, my email address is on there and my Facebook links and all of that. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, and we'll see you online, my friend. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Everybody, we'll be back again next week with another episode of About the Church. Talk to you then. 